And I want to take this opportunity to say good morning. Good morning. And also, I want to say good morning to our, we have a few of our uh, new members, new staff members to the Croc Center. If you could all stand in the corner corner right there. They're all here for our new employee mission orientation. And thank you for joining us for just a brief moment of your orientation. So welcome. Welcome to the Croc Center, Ohana. And certainly, we're blessed to have you here this morning. God is good. Isn't he? He is good. All the time? You know, church, I often hear, and you probably often hear this too. I wish I had more time. I don't have enough time and hours in the day. If only there were 26 hours in a day. Wow. I've run out of time again and again. What happened? Well, Most of us can identify with those sayings, but it seems like we never have enough time. Do I hear an amen? Amen. Am I the only one? No, I know I'm not the only one. You see, we often wish that we could have more time. We are busy, 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 busy people. And at least most people think they are. And there are great demands on our time, don't we? There are businesses, companies are demanding more time from their employees. Uh, That's for the new employees up there. No, I'm just kidding. As they're leaving. No, no, they have to move on. Families, friends, and, and you name it, demand more time from us. But the truth of the matter is, church, that even as busy as many of us are, We all have the same amount of time each week. We all have 168 hours a week. And if we, each of us, are a follower of Jesus Christ, we are responsible to our Lord on how we use those hours that he gives to us. You see, time is the most valuable commodity that we have each of us, and it is a gift from God, and gift is given to us. It is a gift to each one of us, from the youngest to the oldest in this room. So we are stewards of our time, and many of us would like to make sure that may we use our time wisely, don't you? Yes, yes, yes. Are you awake out there? All right, I hear you. But For most of us, it's not a matter of managing our time, but it is managing ourselves. Think about that. Time goes on, no matter what we do. And we must first manage ourselves to make better use of our time. Tick-tock, tick-tock, tick-tock. It is the second week of January Certainly, the second week of 2018. And I pray that maybe this year, for each of us, we'll get a handle of our time and learn how to use it more wisely. And maybe, church, God will will show us, each of us, how to better use of our time and how to offer it up to him and not let, let time steal our peace the way we use our time. I'm sure some of you have made New Year's resolutions, right? That's not going to go away for a little bit. 
Do any of you uh, look, looking at your resolutions have to do with, with the use of your time? Think about them. Okay, some of you are nodding yes. How are you doing so far? Trying. Don't need trying. Some of you, you don't need to tell me. You can say that to yourself. <laughs> you see, will we find ourselves in a few weeks from now wondering what happened to January? Some of you will. What will we do with the 365 days allotted to 2018? Wait a minute. It's not 365 days more. It's already 351 days. Wow. Wow. That's not a lot. That's not a lot of time. So church, let's pause for a moment. And remember the only time we have to live is the present. The here and now. You see, we cannot go back and relive the mistakes of yesterday. We cannot jump into the future to tomorrow to see what tomorrow holds. Because you see, this is the time. Today is the time right now. And so what will you do with what has been given to you each day for 2018? And this morning, if you have your Bibles with you, I'd like you to turn to Ephesians. Ephesians, Epistle of Ephesians. It's chapter 5, verses 15 15 to 17. We're going to look at this passage. And here, Paul writes and describes how we, you and I, can make the most of the time that we've been given. To make the most of every opportunity to seize the day, to seize the moment. But how do we do that? How do we make our lives extraordinary this year? How do we live a godly life in a world that is so corrupt? Is it possible? It is possible. And how? Well, we're going to look at Ephesians 5, 15 to 17. And this is what it says. Be very careful in how you live. Not as unwise, but as wise. Making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Here, the Apostle Paul is saying to us, to the believers in the church of Ephesus, and to us this morning, and he is saying, pay attention to how you live. Pay attention to how you live. You see, there is a right way to live our lives. And there is a wrong way to live our lives, don't we? And how many of us have discovered that that we don't accidentally do it right? You can accidentally do it wrong, can we? Yes, Yes, we do. We can drift with the current of society and mess our life without much planning. How many of you can relate to that? But if our lives are going to to be meaningful and wholesome, we need to apply Paul's encouragement to us today. In this passage of scripture, we need to to know that this is what he's saying, that we have to make the most of our time. Make the most of our time. Making it. How do we make the most of our time that we have right now? Paul encourages us several ways, and I'd just like to share three things with you based on this passage of Scripture. First is this, that we need to walk 
wisely. Verse 15 says, as Christians, we must be careful how we walk. We're talking about how we live our lives, how we live day through day. And he's saying here that be careful then how you live, how you walk. Not as unwise, but as what? As wise. Church, to be careful means in this, in this verse is to, to walk accurately or precisely. That's not an easy thing. It's not. It has an idea of, of an animal that it's on the forest. And, and it's like an action of an animal trying to walk quietly. With, you know, animals with paws. Think of a deer trying to walk quietly without making noise when there's leaves around. Is that easy to do? Uh-uh. It is hard. It takes some time. But you see, church, we make too many snap decisions. Judgment, quick decisions. We speak too soon. We move too soon. We react too soon. We answer be- before we hear the question. Me, me, guilty, guilty, guilty in all of those. I know I'm not alone in all of those. We often keep on rushing on the highway of life and have too much to do. So what happens when you hurry, hurry, hurry? If you don't watch it, you're going to trip and fall. But God says, tells us in Psalm 46, and I'm often reminded by this, is to be still and know that I am God. When we slow down a bit in this busy world, looking at our time, we need to slow down enough to get God involved in our lives. And when we do that, we discover that God can do more than through us than we can ever accomplish on our own. So church, be very careful how you walk, how you live. We need to to have our eyes open and be alert of all the spiritual danger as we walk through the minefield of this world that we live in. Open our eyes and be alert. I like this quote that says, watch your thoughts for they become your words. Watch your words for they become your actions. Watch your actions, for they become your habits. Watch your habits, for they become your character. And watch your character, for it becomes your destiny. To be careful how you walk means to, I think of, to have a budget for your money. To have a schedule for your time. And for those in the house who are, who are single, who are single and you, you desire to get married, and if you're in a relationship and you want to have a godly marriage, you know what? This, I want to let you know that you need to become God, to become a godly man and a godly woman first. Then find each other pursuing the devotion for Christ. And that applies to us here as marriage couples, that we need to make sure that we are living that, using most of our time. And not only in this verse 15, Paul says to, to, to be careful how you live your life. He wants us to live wisely, to be full of wisdom, not the wisdom of the world, but the wisdom that comes from God. Amen. Because you see, Proverbs 2.6 tells us, for the Lord gives us what? Wisdom. From his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. And to be a a man and a woman, a, a young person who wants to live a godly life, we must be be into the word 
daily. We need to fill our lives. We need to have this intake of his word. Don't we need food to survive? Don't we need air to survive? And to survive as a godly person, as you say you are, we need his godly words, who is, which is alive and living. And I like what it was described last week. If you were here, Psalm 1, Major talked about the picture of what a godly man and woman does, meditates on the word of God day in and day out. And you, we are this picture of a tree planted by a river, flourishing no matter how life can be, how, t- how tough it is, that no matter what, that our root, because of the word of God, we are grounded, solid foundation, And so when we read his word, church, I encourage you to ask yourself, how is the scripture affecting the way I behave, I feel, I I relate and think? Ask yourself that. Because you see, when we spend time in his word and as we pray, we we grow and we mature. And as we mature, we're not just gathering information. We need to actually live it out. We know what, a, what uh, wearing a seatbelt does, right? What does it do? It saves lives, doesn't it? And that is being wise when you use your seatbelt. But if you are refuse to use the seatbelt, and you refuse to take time to take that seatbelt over and reach over and put it in over across you and click it shut, I'm sorry, but you are not a wise person. You are not. And God wants us to be wise. Imagine that picture, wise to get into his word. And we need to learn not just the facts, but to live it out. Put it on. Click it and shut it. But you see, God's wisdom is able for us to live life accordingly. Decisions you make in a time, in a daily basis, needs to come from his word. And that's what living wise, walking wisely means. That's how we make the most of our time, number one. Number two. Number two is then how do we walk wisely and make our time? It is this, church. The way we walk wisely is to seize the opportunity. Verse 16 says, and there's two translations. It says, redeeming the time because the days are evil. NIV says, make the most of every opportunity in this, these evil days. Verse 16, look at that, making the most of your opportunity. It is a phrase that means to redeem, to buy back. It is to spend time wisely. I think of a walking through an open door. And when you walk in through that open door, that means you're making that time, you're making an effort, you're seizing the day and the moment. I like the Latin word that you probably heard. What is it? Carpe diem. Dead Poet Society, if you know, if you go way back. Seize the day. Take the opportunity. And here Paul is saying, he's using the, the picture, the Greek word of time as in kairos. And kairos is really an appointed time, a fixed time, a special occasion, moments, seasons, when opportunity knocks. I go back and, and think of, of Yvonne's sermon about the door and the innkeeper and how uh, Mary and Joseph were knocking on the door. And, and, and to me, for the innkeeper did not take that opportunity to realize who that person is outside the door. 
Church, I don't know what, who's knocking in your door. There is a knock in your door right now in your life. Maybe an, an opportunity to grow more about Jesus, to learn more. Maybe an opportunity in your life right now that maybe is really tough. You're going through, you've been diagnosed with an illness. And you're like, no way, there's no opportunities out there left for me. But the door is, there's a knock on the door. And that knock is saying, get out, share your struggles. Because there's a reason that that struggle is there. And I am helping you. So share it. Take that opportunity. Maybe some of you have gifts and talents and the knock is coming and the knock is saying, I have a job for you. That is maybe paying less than what you're getting right now. But it is something that God is saying because he wants to use you. Seize the opportunity. You see, some people never see opportunities because you see, everything is tragedy. Everything is an obstacle. Yeah, there are in life. In the circumstances of life, we, they find excuse, not opportunities. Someone says, I can't serve God where I work. Nobody's, nobody's a Christian. It, it, it's a horrible environment. I wish God would let me quit this job. But you know what? If you look at in an opportunity, a person would say, wow, what an opportunity to share the word of God. No one knows, but you never know. I might get to lead someone to Christ. In your circumstances this morning, do you see an excuse or an opportunity? Every season of life is an opportunity or an excuse, depending how you see it. And that's why we need to walk wisely. A young person in the room or a teenager might say, I'm too young, there's too much peer pressure at school, and I can't follow God, and I can't serve God. But you know what? An opportunity is this. All my friends know that I'm a Christian, and they're going to know one day what is the best thing of living life, and I'm going to share what God is doing. Opportunity. You see, what God, what is God preparing you this year? He wants you to seize the opportunities. You don't want to miss any God-given opportunities this coming year. Be wise, church. Don't let the devil rob you of your time. Don't let him. And Dr. Richard Swenson wrote this book, and a book titled Margin, The Overload Syndrome. I don't know, probably this could be you. You could read the book. And he talks about time, that there are major conditions of time. It is anxiety and stress. Swenson says that most pe- millions of people suffer from overload syndrome. It is the, we are overloaded with our commitments. We are overloaded with possessions. We are overloaded with our work. We are, we are suffering from information overload. What are we going to do about it? Such a heavy load that we all take upon, right? But God is saying, what are we going to do with this heavy load? And Jesus here this morning is saying, I have a cure for your overload. And he's saying, I am your cure. Keep me first in your life. And when you do that, it will just work out. I will work with you, with you being overload. You see, church, we each have been given 8,760 hours for, per year. I, I, didn't, I didn't spend time on counting. I just looked it up. We have that many. And 24 hours a day. 
we need to fill our a life with Jesus and let him deal work with our time. Because you see, life can bring disappointments, right? Even in the time that God has given us. But disappointments are inevitable. But misery is optional. And Paul says that there's, he says this reason why we need to redeem, bring back time, make most of time. Because church, you see, because the days are evil. Talk about it. Just turn on the TV. Open your phone. Look at the news. The message is these are desperate times. Evil days that tempt us to despair, tempt us to give up, tempt us to say, I can't do it. I quit. You know, that's the world that we live in. If God is opening a door of opportunity, church, seize it. God will open it for a reason. And, and we need to actually, in the process, we need to walk wisely, seize it, and lastly this morning, and thank you for being so patient, and we'll get through this. How do we make most of our time? We need to understand the will of the Lord for our lives. His will. Walk And you need to, the way is to seize the moment and his, now it's his will for us. We need to understand it. It says in verse 17, therefore do not be foolish. I like that says do not be unwise, but understand what the Lord's will is. Notice church, it doesn't say not what I want to do, but what does it say? What he wants to do. There's a difference. And we need to understand what God wants us to do. And he wants us to understand. And that means, understand in this verse means taking every pieces of information and make sense of it all. Look at your life, what you've been through. Look at the circumstances of your life and see that the hand of God was at work and is at work. You know, I've heard the saying that says, I can't see the forest for the trees. Have you heard that saying? The younger ones may not be able to see, but I can't see the forest for the trees. And people live like this, live their lives like this, because you see, every situation, every problem, everything that goes on in their life, it's an, is a tree. There's a tree, and that's all they see is a tree. And you can never see the forest because of that tree. And so whenever you see a problem, there's something going on. You see trouble. You see discouragement. You, you know what, church? We need to look beyond the tree right in front of you. We do. Because you see, we need to see the whole forest that is made out of all these different trees. And to see that, it applies to our lives. God puts in situations and trials and challenges, and we need to see the bigger picture of it. Because he's got a greater plan. He's got his will. And he's got you under his control. He's in control of everything, doesn't he? Amen? Amen. And God doesn't want to flood our lives with worries and anxieties. He doesn't want your calendar to be so crowded that you don't have time for important things in life. And I believe, church, that we are here this, this, this morning for a reason. And you have come this morning for whatever reason, but because you want God to be part of your life, don't you? And my question is this. Yes, I want him to, but the question is, is he the most important part of your life? 
And my prayer is that that is your prayer, that he is, and you want a relationship with him. Because you see, God wants a relationship with you. And his will is for us to be saved. He sent his son to this earth, to the world, and he died on the cross, and he rose so that we may be saved. It is God's will not only for us to have a relationship or to be saved. It is his will for you and I to be sanctified. 1 Thessalonians 4.3 says, It is God's will that you should be sanctified. Another translation said, God's will is for you to be holy. To, to, to be consecrated. To, set, to be set apart from the sin and the world. God doesn't want us to be in, entangled with the values of this world, church, if we want to live a godly life. You see, God doesn't want us to be set apart from the people. No, it's not about the people. It is about the values, maybe that the people around us. Maybe it's the values of the world. It could be pride, pleasure. It could be money, things, materialistic things. About Maybe it's all about me, myself, and I. But God wants us to live, and his will is to live for us with his value. The value that, that, that talks about purity, humility, the fruit of the spirit, the pleasure that brings joy to God, and certainly serving others instead of serving ourselves. There is no better place than to be in the will and the purpose of God in our lives, church. And when we, and he wants us to be in it, we need to know that we can trust him. And we need to trust him with our time. And no matter how hard life can be, he says in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, trusting in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. And I like this, seek his will in all you do. And we'll show you which path to take. And when things are tough, he tells to us and continues on, and I love this in Deuteronomy. He says, so be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid and do not panic before them, for the Lord your God will personally go ahead of you. He will neither fail you nor abandon you. His will is for us to love him, to be saved, for us to live a life that is godly in everything. And so church, carpe diem. Seize the day for God. Yeah, we can seize the day for other things for ourselves, but today we, we want to seize the day for God. As I close, I'm going to ask the, the, the worship team to come, but I would like to close with this. How many of us were afraid yesterday? We woke up, some of us probably woke up, and not, did not wake up, did not hear the, the, the alert. Yeah, it was a little bit of a scary time, wasn't it? And can I just tell you, and I was preparing for this sermon and seeking God's will, and he spoke to me this topic of redeeming our time, walking wisely, and making use of our time, and how fitting how things happened yesterday. Church is a wake-up call for us. Wake-up call how we live our life from now on. Thank goodness nothing happened yesterday. Because God is saying, I'm giving you another chance. Another chance to live for me, to walk wisely, to understand the will I have for you. And church, I have a clock here. I know if you are in our pool, we have something like this. I think it helps with your laps on the, on the, on the swimming pool. But there's something wrong about this timer. 
What's wrong with this clock, this timer? There's no hands. Some of us are living a life with no hands. A clock that has been given to us. A, a life that is going and going and going and you don't know what time it is. But church, you've got a clock. Each of us have a clock. And I want to encourage you and challenge you. It's broken right now. I can say our clock is broken. Whether you know it or not. Because God is saying in those three verses how we need to live our life. And you need to add those hands, the short hands and the long hands, because we need it. And a reminder how maybe your clock is broken, your family life is broken, your, your relationships, your, uh, um, your marriage, your, maybe school right now is tough. I'm failing. I just got my grades, and I'm not doing well. Well, guess what, church? It's time to fix all those things and many more in our lives. It's not too late yet. But one thing to know is this, church, if anything be, that your clock needs to be lined up with Jesus. It needs to align, that his, his, Jesus needs to be in your time. And as we end our time together this morning, I don't want to miss this opportunity for you to make it right this morning. Each of us are dealing with our own issues, are dealing with our own time. But only God knows what that you need to do this morning. Don't leave this place not sure of what God wants you to do. The worship team is going to sing, and, and I ask you to pray, maybe as couples, husband and wives, maybe there are things, pray together. Families, pray together. The place is here for prayer. Bring it to the cross. Listen to the words and listen to the Spirit and allow the Spirit to, to work in you today. Respond. So let's, let's reflect upon each of our lives as the worship team sings. You're probably sitting there saying, wow, I'm, 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 I'm letting you experience fear. We all experience, most, most of us experienced fear yesterday, but the fear this morning that I maybe want to let you know that life is short, so let's make it count. Let's have the fear of the Lord to know that when we are afraid of God, that means we want to live right for Him. And so this morning, with your eyes closed and your head bowed, we just want to take this time, and I want to pray for you. And if you have any prayers that you want to be lifted up, I want to offer that to God this morning. Together we can live wisely, church, and we can do that together this morning. Let's pray. And if you want me to pray for you, go ahead and raise your hand with your eyes closed and the light is going to go dim so that no one is looking around. Amen. I see hands being raised. Amen. It's all to him. It's all to him. Amen. God bless you. Yes. Father God, we come to you. And your, and your word says through James that our life is like a mist, a, a vapor. That is a little bit, it's, it, it's, it's, it's a little mist that is it's still there, but next thing you know, it's gone. And Father, what a privilege it is to be alive today. A privilege that you've given us so that we can move forward in the days and months ahead, knowing that for many of us, Lord, we do know, and I know, hopefully all of us know that we are in a right relationship with you, that the, there is no fear of what the future holds. But there is this fear of excitement of wanting to want to love you more. And Father, the hands that have been raised in the room, I lift them up to you.
I ask you that you meet each one's need, Lord. Whatever it may be, Lord, you know who they are, what the situations may be. But Father, this morning, let us just walk wisely with you. Let us seize your opportunities to make a difference in the world that is hurting. And Lord, to make decisions that will glorify you, not ourselves. And to certainly be in your will, to understand your will and go forward and go for it, carpe diem. And so, Father, today may we leave this place excited and encouraged that this life is yours and we want to make the most of it with each other, with our families, with our co-workers, and excited about it to know that you are our God who loves us and cares so much about us. Thank you, Lord, for your word. May soak into us this week. Maybe, may we be convicted through your Holy Spirit. Forgive us for being um, unfaithful to our time. And thank you for forgiving us. Let us have a fresh start this week of making the most of our time. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.